This episode of the Android Central Podcast is brought to you by MintSim, the best way to get cheap 4G LTE data in the U.S. Use offer code ACFREESHIP for free first-class shipping on any MintSim purchase. Hey everybody and welcome to the Android Central Podcast. I'm channeling my finest Phil Nickinson imitation for that one because we are so lucky to have him and two other wonderful individuals on the show this week. Russell Hawley, how are you, dude? I'm doing good. Uh, before I forget, though, uh, I, I this is actually 100% Phil's fault. Uh, while you were doing the the ad reads for the podcast at the beginning, because I've been listening to Pod Save America a lot recently, I like yes. every every yes. ounce of my body wanted to interrupt you and screw around with the ad read. Um, They're so good at the that. Ad read. Like I, you should have just done I, it. Don't tell I me know, that you're going to do like, it. In it was it was deeply tempting, and it's entirely Phil's fault. Deeply tempting. Phil Nickinson, All what's going Phil's on? Fault. <laughs> Russell knows what I'm doing right there. Yes, I, I, God, they have spoiled ad reads for all time. Because you remember how I used to take them all seriously too, and now I'm like, I, yep. I, I was, oh, such an idiot. Yeah, but now you're, you're old and a dad, so you don't need to take anything seriously anymore. Oh, I absolutely do not take anything seriously anymore. <laughs> Life is too short. Giving Bader my job was the best move any of us has ever done. <laughs> Well, I'm still a young buck, so I think my back can take a couple more years of this. Uh, speaking of young bucks, Jerry Hildenbrand, welcome back. <laughs> and Phil used to make me turn my microphone off while he did yep. ad reads. So. That's true. No, see, I, I, I trust myself. I shouldn't trust you guys, though. That's the problem. Um, but you've been, you, haven't, you, you haven't given me a reason not to trust you yet, so oh, well, I anticipate some trolling <laughs> next week. Actually, you know what? But, like, Let's start on that for a second, because the sort of... Um, like the ad read culture in podcasts is very interesting, right? And um, my wife listens to Pod Save America and all those uh, like pod offshoot. Uh, and, and they're fantastic because there's this like real rapport. And, and I got this email a couple of weeks ago, Phil, from an, a, a, a listener who's been around since like the early days of the AC podcast. And he mm-hmm. It was like very genuine. He's like, my wife and I listen to the show every week and we love it. And we've listened to it since Phil was hosting from like way back in the, in the single digit, um, you know, shows. And what we really miss about the AC podcast is the conversational aspect of it. That like, it used to just be three or four guys riffing and talking BS for an hour. And that was it. And there may not have been anything like substantial in the podcast. I'm sure there was, you know, a little bit, but not as much as it is now. What? Uh, so but at, but at the same time, like, he missed that part of it. And I think he was right. I think that there's an aspect of, like, the way that I host the show that needs to be a little bit, you know, jazzed up. So uh, all that's to say, you know, we welcome we, – I, I welcome a little bit more of, like, the, the, the interruptus uh, culture. In different shows are like Holy that. Holy crap, we've all, you didn't just tell me we've that. We've all gone on different podcasts, and, and some are more conversational like that, and some are more structured, and some you just kind of sit there, and, and you're like, why was I even on this? Uh, I'm not going to name names, of course. But <laughs> you, you know what you need to do? Go back and listen to the very first episodes with me and Mickey, and just, they were horrible and great and fun, <laughs> and, and it ebbs and flows. I've been enjoying it. So. I'll tell you what, what some of it is for me, and this is like weird, stupid inside baseball, is that uh, for like us communicating with one another for the podcast is we use Skype now, and we used to use Hangouts, and Hangouts would break, like, you know, five out of the seven times that we tried it, but I could always see everyone, like, I could look through the camera and see, like, Bill doing something while he's not talking, and Andrew doing something while he's not talking, and, like, that, that 
was a big part of the conversational thing for me was I could see Jerry screwing around when he wasn't listening. And so I could, I could say something to get his attention and watch his whole body like jerk into position. He's, he's like, crap, I'm supposed to be paying attention now. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun for me to do that. Well, I think we have powerful enough computers and, you know, wide enough pipes that we could probably do Skype and Hangouts at the same time, right? Or I, could we but just do Skype video? Talk. No, we could just do Skype video, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> uh, that's That's a lot of baseball for people who may not love baseball. So... Let's get into tech, shall we? Uh, okay, so last week we we talked a lot about the upcoming pixels and you know what's what's on deck for next Wednesday, October fourth. Russell and Andrew, um, who's not here, will be down in San Francisco. I'll be at at the Toronto event, and uh, I don't know where Alex will be. But uh, either way, we will cover the heck out of it. But I, I did want to talk a little bit about um, some follow up because. Phil and and uh, Russell, you weren't here on the podcast last week. I'm just trying to. I'd like to get your sense of what you're looking forward to next next Wednesday, and and uh, what those leaks really told you, um, and and whether or not you think like these are the best possible products that Google should be or is going, you know, can release at this point uh, in 2017. No, you know, I uh, this is a weird. Uh... This is one of those weird, like, they're almost a refresh year for for a lot of phones. And so, like, the, the this Pixel is going to, you know, it's going to have all of the stuff that we're like, man, I really wish the last Pixel had. Like, you know, we're, we're getting waterproofing, and, and there may or may not be uh, one of the big buzz things this week was, uh, was, you know, stereo speakers, because it's 2017, and people are still really excited about whether or not something is stereo speakers. Um, and you know, so I, I feel like that's, this is the, the refresh year and every smartphone manufacturer has one, but it's weird because at the same time, uh, we've got, uh, you know, the, the iPhone 10 and the essential phone and, and the S8 and the note eight where they're like all of this bezel stuff. So there, there's this, also this weird excitement about, you know, a bezel phone. And this one is going to be decidedly not like this is going to be the first time a phone from Google is going to seem to have weirdly thick bezels in a long time. Um, which is probably going to make people like me and Jerry happy, but I think it's going to make like the hardcore smartphone nerds maybe a little mad. Well, that's only one of the two, right? Yeah, and and I'm kind of in agreement there. I've I've been using. I mean, since we went to Germany for IFA, I was using the OnePlus Five there. I brought a V30 back with me, so I was using that for a while. And now I've been using the iPhone Eight for a couple of days. And I tell you, the iPhone Eight, it's a dog. It's just a brick compared to. You know, the v, especially the V30, but also the OnePlus 5. And, all, and honestly, also the Pixel XL from last year. And I've kind of been thinking about that. It's like, well, I love the look and feel of the V30. Um, the, the, the Note 8 and the GS8 just kind of aren't for me. But you know, look at the essential phone. We have all this sexiness out there. And then you have these outliers. And I'm trying to get excited about them. And I still love the Pixel phones. I still think they're super important. I still think they're probably the best overall Android experience you can get. But yeah, something's gotta. They gotta. They gotta do something. Well, what is that something, Jerry? I mean, we're we're looking at a phone that, or two phones, I guess, that have sort of. I mean, especially now in, in the wake of the HTC announcement, right? The this is Google acquiring two thousand HTC employees and bringing them over into the Pixel team. You know, my argument last week in, in my editor's desk 
piece was that this is Google really setting itself up for the future, that it wants to sustain, create a sustainable long-term business in smartphones under Rick Osterloh. This is a team, you know, that is going to be around in 10 years. Um, yeah. But this is, this is not the 10th year. This is the second year of a long-term project. And like the smartphone is still the thing. People still want to replace their old clunkers. There are going to be a lot of Nexus 5X and 6P customers itching to upgrade to the pixels. Um, what, I mean, what's, what's like, what, what's your opinion of that? Man, I don't know. I, it's so, I, I mean, that's the right, thing is that everybody I talk to is just like, it's basically a shrug emoji. Like the whole, yeah, it, this whole thing is, just, is, is so weird. The, the only new phone that I've seen so far that has caught my eye is from Sony and it's caught my eye because it's staying kind of old. Uh, like Russell said, I, you know, a smartphone needs to have bezels so I can hold it any damn way I want. And I like a phone with a headphone jack and Sony is really the only people showing me what I like. I get that that's not what other people like, but I just don't see, you know, Samsung or LG or HTC and and now Google. They, they all make really good products that a lot of people like, but none of them are just great. Not one of them stands out. I think another big thing for like, you know, for everyone who is paying attention at IO this year uh, was that, you know, hardware has taken a back burner for, for Google for a, for a little while now because their, their big focus is all of the stuff with artificial intelligence. And that's what we're going to see this year is, you know, Osterloh and his crew are going to come up on stage and they're going to be like, look, we have this new, you know, this, this new thing for you to hold in your hand, but all of the really important stuff is all of the, you know, all of the other things that it can do. Uh, you know, last right. year, the big thing was, and, and remains, you know, with, with the pixel phone, uh, HDR plus, you know, entirely software based photo enhancement that blew everything away, especially in low light for, for a while, you know, I'm sure we'll see more of that. I'm sure we'll see, uh, was it the you know through uh, Google Lens? Uh, I'm sure we'll we'll see stuff with Google Lens and Daydream and and all of that is going to be it, you know making the hardware less important. And I think it, that's that's going to be frustrating. That's a frustrating transition for uh, an ecosystem of people who have been excited about the physical hardware for all, for as long as they have. Right. Right. And that's we you know I, I was talking about hardware when I said that. As far as the software goes, the best phone will be whichever phone is running Android 8.1.x, whatever, that has this new ingrained feature that Google shows us off and and the things you can do with it. And, yeah, I, well, I, I think I've only said it about a million times that I think software is a much more important part of the equation. So here's what's interesting. Google Lens... Um, we talked about this for a long, like for a while back at IO, but that was in May and we're at the end of September right now. And let's give everybody a refresh of exactly what lens is. So it's, it's, it's a multifaceted approach to adding intelligence to, to Android and to, or not Android necessarily, but to, to Google's kind of ecosystem of apps. It augments the existing Google Assistant, and it allows you to use your your phone's camera to do a whole bunch of things. So, in addition to you know overlaying 
information on top of what your phone's camera sees. Like if you take a photo of a storefront, it'll show you that store's name, the rating on Google Maps, what, you know, it's, its menu, uh, how to get there if you need directions, things like that. But Lens also is going to delve into what we've argued many times is Google's best product for most people, which is Google Photos. And Google Photos is a triumph. It's something that takes everything that Google does well and it applies it to your 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 most treasured memories. And Russell, you're you're saying that you know the the Pixel uh, opened up people's you know opened up the possibility of computational photography to a lot of Android users. Um, is is Lens just that next big thing? Is that what's going to define the Pixel Two or? Is it the fact that it's going to have like a great new camera sensor? And I I know the answer to this, but so like I, I kind of yawned at Lens when it was announced at I/O because you know we Google has had most of the things that are in Lens in various other apps over the last couple of years, like you know translating text from different languages when you you hover over it or being able to take a photo of a, a document and have it you know digitally convert itself or or the stuff in Google Photos, you know having all of that. But uh, I, I tell you. Um, when the iPhone 8 launched, I watched so many people on Twitter and Facebook and then and then a couple of people uh, here in the real world get stupid excited about the uh, the iPhone 8 camera having a QR code reader built in that just automatically worked. And it blew me away that it was such a simple thing, you know, that, that you know, the QR code readers are, are not even remotely new, you know, that that's that's the thing. It's, it's not, you know, whether or not this app or this hardware is going to end up being the, the ideal thing. It's whether Google can make it this kind of seamless, ubiquitous thing. And if they can, then yes, I think that is going to be the biggest deal this year is, is having, you know, being able to just point your phone at something and gather all of this information such that it becomes kind of this second nature thing for you to do. Uh, I think that's going to be the big thing this year, but only if they can make it this ubiquitous thing and not, you know, Something they have to, something someone has to go into an app and set up a specific feature and and you know program with your favorite things and and then have to deal with it misfiring a hundred times. I'm talking to you, Bixby, you miserable piece of shit. Um, you know, I, I think it has to be that kind of seamless thing. Now, Russell, I, I want to interrupt for a second before because I'll forget I'm old. Russell, to be fair, the people that were impressed with Apple's QR code in the camera. We shouldn't say too much. We're sitting here talking about lens like it's something big and fancy and, you know, the Fire Phone was a thing that out of the box already did this and did it really well and Google's just playing catch up to oh, Amazon. Hang, hang on a second. This is <laughs> not, even the, like, not even the same thing at all because if you compare, and we'll talk about this later, uh, if you compare what Alexa can bring you uh, in terms of search results to Google Home, it's it's basically uh, it's not even it's not even close. I mean, Alexa has more skills and more API hooks, but in terms of the knowledge graph, Google has and always will have Amazon by the balls. And and I think that is you know I, I'm going back. I searched Google Lens in Google right now, Meta, and a lot of those early um, you know hyperbolic titles from places like Recode and Wired and PocketLint and uh, and Gadget and all the other ones is they, they all say the same thing that Google Lens is Google is is basically Google's future that it's search for the camera and that you'll just just be able to go open the camera app 
point your point your camera at something, whether it's an inanimate object or a person, and you will be able to glean some sort of interesting bit of information from it. And that is interesting because Google as a search company needs to leverage the next generation of technology to make more money. And it's been trying really hard to leverage photos in order to give people, you know, usable, actionable search results. And, you know, Phil, I think that is something that may have been overlooked at the beginning, that this is setting up Google for its next big multi-billion dollar business model. But in other words, so it's just like the Fire Phone. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, which was designed to make Amazon as much money as it can and don't fool yourself into thinking that it's just as difficult to search Amazon for the pertinent information as it is for Google to search Google. I've got one somewhere. It is. Technology is the same. It's the same thing, but Amazon is not trying to show you anything else other than what's on Amazon. Well, yeah, now they're not trying to show you anything. I don't even think the the phone works anymore. But uh, I'm just saying that the tech is – we think a lot of things are new, so I didn't want to, you no. know, I'm just standing up for the people who love the barcode reader. This, yeah, this, I mean, I understand that it's not new. It's it's just having it kind of all together in the same place. And I got to tell you, think about the, thinking, like, just in the last couple of minutes, the dumb things that I've done with my phone camera over the last week to remind myself of things. Uh, you know, took my kids in the amusement park last weekend, and I took a picture of the the, you know, parking sign at the end of the thing so that I didn't lose my car at the end of the day. You know, I, I regularly take pictures of, uh, of uh, you know, signs for or for ads, you know, for, for things, you know, products that I find in Best Buy or something like that. So I can remind myself to research them later on. You know, the, all of these these weird little things that the in theory lens is supposed to, you know, I, I hold my phone up to that to, to that sign at, at Six Flags. And instead of needing to take a picture, it drops a location pin for me. So that when I come out of the park, I just open maps and it tells me where my car is parked. Or, you know, when I'm when I'm at, uh, you know, Best Buy, I pick up my phone and, and the camera just scans the the barcode for that, that Best Buy thing. And it's already in, uh, you know, the, the specific folder that I wanted it to be in so that I can look it up later. That's, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, a lot of that does come from the stuff that, that Amazon was trying to do with the Fire Phone. But, uh, you know, you tie in Google's Knowledge Graph and the, the other Google apps, you know, I think that it ha- it stands a better chance of of being successful. Oh, absolutely. It gives us information we want instead of information another company wants us to see. I get that. And and what's what's so cool about what Google's doing here is that we've already seen certain aspects of lens trickle into photos already. Like that photo you took of the the sign, Google may prompt you the next time you open f- photos to say, "Hey, uh, this doesn't seem like something you, you'll need anymore. Do you want to archive this? Right. And that allows you to basically cull the photos in your enormous database of photos that um, you'll probably never need but may want to search for in the future the same way that you will your email, right? Uh, you never delete emails in Gmail. You archive them. Uh, this is the same idea. And I just want to point out something that happened to me over the weekend you know, I've been using my Note 8 quite a lot, and recently the you know Samsung offers it's this the Samsung Cloud service that uploads your photos into Samsung's cloud and then syncs them across devices. It also uploads your phone settings so that when you restore a new Samsung phone, you know all this all the stuff that Google and iCloud do already, except they give you 15 gigs of storage, 
and I reached that 15 gigs over the weekend, and I get a message, and it said, hey, you've reached your limit. What would you like to do? And it gives you one option. It's not an option to upgrade your storage to a bigger tier like you would on you know, on Google Drive or, or, or OneDrive or, or iCloud, but to delete all of the photos on your Samsung Cloud. That's it. All you can do. And this is the kind of terrible user experience that will keep Samsung from ever competing in earnest with Google in the services space and why Google and Apple to some extent and Microsoft is they're so far ahead of the game here. And you know, when we review the Samsung Note 8 and say how it's the most one of the most beautiful pieces of 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 hardware out there um and that Samsung's come a long way in its software it's that's true, but it's still relying predominantly on Google Cloud services to get by. And then you then we see criticism of the Pixel as this like utilitarian phone that is just a phone that does phone things, and people dismiss it outright for that purpose. And then it's you know th- then we kind of come back to this argument that it's actually powered by all of these Google things that very few other companies have access to in in the same way. And I just I, I find that so interesting. I would love a flat slab of plain glass that just worked. Yeah, that and that's that's exactly where I'm at at this point. And that's actually kind of why I'm still so pissed at this iPhone. Like, I love the Pixel because it, it generally speaking, just works. Um, doesn't have all this crap that gets in the way. I, actually, I love the V30 a lot, but we just have these pre-production ones that I really don't want to talk about. Um, but... But when you get down to it, the Pixel does what it's supposed to do, and it does it really, really well. In fact, this is probably the first you know Nexus Pixel phone I could probably use for another year and be perfectly fine with it. Am I insane oh, for I'm thinking keeping that? mine? No, yeah, I'm, I'm keeping mine for next year. I, I don't need a new phone. Except for the fact that Oreo is a piece of crap. Sorry, I just had to say it. It's so bad right now on my Pixel. It's so bad. It doesn't work properly. I don't get notifications. You know how the whole... You know, Android messages wasn't receiving notifications bug. I saw that. I just was not receiving notifications, period, on my on my Pixel XL with Oreo. Ah, so that's a for an entire weekend, I just did not get a single text, and I missed a bunch of them. Do you, do you use Rogers? No, I'm on Telus, okay. and it uh, it wasn't an RCS issue. It wasn't even a client issue because I changed my client to like Textra, Facebook Messenger, anything. And it just, I was not receiving texts. Hmm. So anyway, it's, there's, there's a bunch of things wrong with Oreo right now that I hope Google fixes very quickly. But one thing that Google did do to move along the conversation is it extended the security update uh, timeline for the Nexus 5X and 6P from September 2018 to November 2018. Jerry, why the hell did Google do that? I, I, I tried to get a, a, a flat out direct answer to to why this was done uh people that i just talked to that that i just talked to they're like well i don't know it's i mean it's just a couple months we're not sure there any particular reason officially google didn't have anything to say so i'm going to go with my gut here and say that that's just what the support contract with qualcomm was hmm. and so that's a, a very deal. important part of of your security patch updates so, so this is not them saying, "Hey, you know, the Nexus 6P is going to get P." No, oh, oh, oh no. This is you're going to get one more security patch update, maybe two, two. I think. Guar- and this is guaranteed. 
it would not surprise me if you get five or six after, you know, the the guarantee date is done. We saw the Nexus 4 and the Nexus 10 both got updates out of the blue like years after they were supposed to stop getting them. If Google can update it, they do because they update the Android code as far back as they can. So if they've already updated it, it's foolish not to to press a button and build that update for their devices. Right. I, I remember a, a, a bunch of devices received stage fright updates, you know, when they were long right. gone because right. Google just went to they, all these vendors and said, if you don't, you know, we're, we're going to be very mad at you and, and you're sleeping on the couch. Yep. <laughs> well, it's probably something like that. It's, you know, if you don't, we're going to let everybody know you refused is probably a real motivator. But that's if a patch requires the vendor, by vendor, I mean Qualcomm for the system on chip or maybe Broadcom for the uh, the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth chip if they're not using Qualcomm or, or whoever builds the parts inside. If your update requires those companies to update their bytecode, Google has to depend on them. Even if Google could reverse engineer it, they're not allowed to give you that. So that's that's the thing. If Google can guarantee it for two more months, that means Qualcomm is guaranteeing it for two more months. Hmm. Um, hey, Phil. It's also, you know, just the right thing to do. Sure it is. Yes, hey, Russell. Phil, well, you're, no, you're... the right thing to do would be 12 more months. Let's let's not beat around the bush. Sure. Uh, remember the Moto X Pure Edition? <laughs> yeah. Remember that bad boy? Well, it's getting uh, nougat starting like today. I think uh, some people reached out to us, said that it's finally getting Android 7.0 after over a year with no updates at all, including no security patches for the unlocked version. Um, this has been one. So, you know, I have been working at AC now for over, I think, about 15 or 16 months. And almost every week I've gotten a request from somebody to find out what the hell is up with the Nougat update for the Moto X Pure Edition. Because there are a bunch of people who were really butthurt about Motorola's silence on this fact. And I understand it, right? You know, silence sucks. Silence is sometimes worse than an outright denial because it leaves you hoping. And this has been a long, long running issue with the new Motorola. Um, and Jerry, you know, we talked about this last week with the Moto X4 Android 1, yeah. you know, Project Phi Edition, um, uh, you know, the, the this new phone that's coming out, I think, early next month. And that should bypass a lot of these issues, but Motorola will still should. sell, should, they'll still sell an unlocked version of the Moto X4, and they're still selling unlocked versions of basically every phone that they've released this year, which, you know, it's like 150 of them. So what, you know, what happens now when a year from now, people are clamoring at Motorola for not upgrading the Moto G5 plus, um, you know, uh, you know, the second iteration of that, and, and it still hasn't received a security patch. Like, is it, is Motorola just setting itself up for a disaster? Update Mageddon? Uh, you know, a lot of that, and man, I hate to say this, and it sounds like I'm apologizing for Motorola, and I'm not. 
Motorola used to be a great company. Now they're garbage. Let's, let's get that clear. That's what Jerry thinks. But that phone and the phone right before it and the phone right after it were released at a bad time. The company was in the middle of being sold. Even if it wasn't public or right after we heard about it, these talks were in place. People were cleaning out their desks and going home or worrying if they were going to have to clean out their desk and go home. And that those phones just got left by the wayside for so long does not surprise me. That doesn't mean it's right, but I'm not surprised. I'm going to give Motorola the benefit of the doubt and think that they're going to do better, at least on their newer flagship phones. But that's, you know, maybe wishful thinking. Yeah, I don't know. Well, and some of this, especially in the U.S., comes back to people not understanding how uh, companies like Motorola have to do software updates. Or not have to, but choose to. Uh, you know, the, these other phones, the the carrier versions of these phones get software updates. And in some cases, like especially on uh, with, with Motorola, the Verizon phones get the software updates relatively quickly because Verizon pays for that. Verizon says, you know, we're going to give you this much money. This is your service contract to deliver these software updates. But these software updates are specifically for our phone. If these other companies want it, then they need to, you know, other carriers have to, you know, pay for a different service contract. And so these, you know, nobody's paying for regular software updates on these unlocked phones. And it's not, uh, you know, just just a copy and paste uh, for for an unlocked phone because it, it, there has to be you know network tools on the phone for uh, all of the networks you know that, that an unlocked phone could potentially support in order to to handle that and that's that's money that that the new Motorola that Lenovo has decided uh, isn't in their interest to spend and that's why these updates are are so few and far between and that that sucks and it's a crappy answer and they should know better uh, but. But that's that's what's actually happening here, right? No, I I agree with that, and I think it's it's one of those underreported aspects of Android updates. Why does so, why do so many Samsung phone uh, unlocked Samsung phones get updated after their carrier counterparts? It's because Samsung and Apple are the top two sellers at any carrier in the U.S., and more people expect software updates from Samsung than they do from Motorola or even LG. So those just are prioritized higher and, and the carriers are willing to pay more for that. Not to mention right. the fact that the infrastructure exists more so at Samsung than it does at Motorola because it's just a bigger company. Um, that's, you know, the, I think that is something that people don't realize when they buy, say, a Motorola phone is that you're, you're not always buying a phone with software updates in mind. At least you shouldn't be anymore. To bring it back around to next week, that's really, really what I'm looking forward to with this next generation of hardware in Oreo is how does Treble fit? I mean, I know how Treble fits into all this, but but really, what is that going to do for the next generation and two generations and five generations of phones and keeping them updated? Is it going to work the way that they say it's going to? Is it going to work the way we hope it will? And will that really change the game for all these just BS phones that otherwise would die? You know better than that. I have it's, hope. I'm allowed to yeah, hope. Yeah, well, good. Okay. Yeah, you're allowed to hope. But I'm uh, positive, Phil, uh, On the days. X4. <laughs> yes. The, the Project Phi X4, and I hate calling it that because there's some confusion there, too. Google was very clear about the way Android 1 
is updated. It's always been this way, but it just has never been said before. The X4 Motorola builds the update, even for the Android One version. That's not anything new. Uh, the other Android One phone makers updated their phones themselves as well. How much participation Google has, you know, we're not really clear, but I'm going to guess it's a whole lot because it's kind of their baby. But the the X4 through Project 5 should get updated relatively quickly. I, I, I hate to use that word because for some of us, 60 days isn't quick uh, in the world of a big company with tens of thousands of employees and who sells millions of products, 60 days is quick. But it it's not any different than the old Android One phones were, and we saw with the updates there that most of the time they were pretty good. Now, as far as it being a Project 5 phone, a lot of people are worried, well, I don't want to buy one from Motorola. I want to buy an unlocked one from Project 5, and I can't, blah, blah, blah. Well, Project 5 has never said that their phones are locked. You have to buy it through Project Fi. We will know more when it launches, but I'm not sitting here thinking that I won't be able to buy one through Project Fi as well as buy a month's worth of service and then say, oh, Fi, hey, I'm done, and then slap an AT&T or T-Mobile SIM card in it or maybe even Verizon and just go. I honestly think that that's going to work. So, so a lot of people out there are all worried about that, and maybe it's a little too early to be worrying. Well, Android users love to worry. That's just yeah. a a byproduct of being of being like treated poorly, for lack of Agreed. a better term, for so long by Agreed. carriers and by 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 manufacturers. So, um, street, speaking of being street, uh, treated poorly, treated poor, treated truly. <laughs> Damn it, Bader, get um, let's it talk right. a little bit. Oh, God. Someone go to Canada and reboot Bader. <laughs> no, uh, I, I think, I'm, think I'm fine where I am. Thank you very much. Um, speaking of that, the Sony Xperia XZ1. Huh. Andrew has one. He's been using it for a few days. It's actually looking like this is Sony's best camera ever, which isn't surprising. But more than that, it looks like it's kind of competing with the like the the top tier phones right now in terms of camera and and this is just by virtue of the fact that Sony's fixed its pick its post processing um what do you guys think of this Jer- Jerry I know you wanted this phone at least the smaller v- version yeah uh it's it's always puzzled me because the hardware that Sony puts in their phones for the camera is great i mean other companies use their hardware as well. It's Sony makes really good small form factor lenses and, you know, digitizers, whatever the you want to call that, the, the, the assembly. I couldn't think of the word. But their intelligent auto, which is so good on Sony's actual cameras, was always so crap on their phones. And I could never figure it out. And it seems like they fixed that. Intelligent auto is point in click mode you just whip your phone out you point it at something and hit the button and it's supposed to analyze the scene and take the picture and process it correctly all in one motion and do it quickly it did it quickly but it never did it well and it looks like it's doing it well now which is great 
But isn't that kind of what every phone is just supposed to do? Isn't every phone from Samsung to LG to Motorola, don't they just have superior auto mode? Yeah, they have a different name for it. Uh, You know, what I was getting at there is that Sony has been doing this on real cameras for ages, and they did it really, really good. Uh, Phil, what was that little, it's not a, you know, it's a, you know, the little camera, not a detachable lens camera. What is it? The you had one, the RS something. Yeah, it was the. They RS released a, a ten, I think. They did two of those. Yeah, they released a little, and it was two hundred ninety nine bucks, and it was just a little camera, and it was it was really small, and you couldn't change the lenses on it, and everybody was like, "Bad, bad, bad." And then people started to use it, and were, they're like, "Wow!" And that was all post processing. If you hadn't but seen it, there's a that, really horrible GIF of me just looking <laughs> horrible from five or six years ago, um, d- doing the Borg thing with it, like extending from my sunglasses. That that's was what, my favorite. That's what that thing is. Yeah. That was the first thing I ever saw of you, Phil. That's on the internet. For both was of like us. that GIF. That was awesome. <laughs> that was one. That's your finest moment, actually, I think. If I'd known it was going to turn out that good, I would have, you know, like stood up and fixed the lighting. But yeah. I actually took that with me to Scotland when I went there in 2015. And you took it my was picture the to best. Scotland? Just to show it to people <laughs> on the street. It was fin- it was a good gift. It had to be seen it, by by the whole world. Um, yeah, the, the, the RX 10, I think it is. And it's an, it's amazing. Um, great, great photo quality, but also just the ability for you to have your viewfinder in, in one hand with, on your phone and put the lens anywhere else, like really versatile. I I truly enjoyed it. Um, where were we? It took forever for that to finally come to a real mobile product instead of a mobile accessory. You know, and and that and this new phone have another thing in common, too. They don't have fingerprint sensors? You got it! (laughs) (laughs) Mine will. That's why importers exist. Uh, Yeah. Well, no, you you can get one here, actually. I think they're coming out in Canada with fingerprint sensors and everything. I'm okay with not having a fingerprint sensor, but that's an entirely different conversation. Yeah, see, I won't use it. I, I don't use fingerprint sensors, but that will be the phone that my wife will want when I'm using something new, and she will never stop complaining if she can't use her fingerprint. And she's hooked on that now. I'm just okay not having a Sony Xperia XE1. That's kind of where <laughs> where I stand on the issue. Yeah, I'm super glad that Andrew's happy with the the phone so far and said lots of nice things about the camera. I mean, it's it's about time. Um, I love that Sony's releasing a phone that we're not going to get 2,000 words from Alex about why Sony is ruining everything. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's hard to get excited about that phone. Mm-hmm. It is. Well, I, I just. We heard this week, actually, that Sony will be moving to a new design language with its next series. Uh, so I'm guessing that means they're getting rid of the bezels, because what else yeah. are they going to do? That means they're going to use cheap, tall screens and lose the headphone jack, and I will lose all interest. Yeah, well, they don't care. They just want to sell a couple phones. And I'm, I think I'm the only one who buys their phones. <laughs> yeah, It's just Jerry. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's the way they act. So speaking of phones that aren't selling well, uh, this week we heard that Essential 
may have only sold 5,000 units of the essential phone in its first month. Uh, and those were that, all the bloggers. That, that, figure, that figure has been updated a little bit to reflect the fact that it may just be 5,000 units from Sprint and that it doesn't take into account unlocked sales, which are probably so not very high 5, anyway. 5,000 in six. I was going to say, were we looking at like a, like a solid 5,500? <laughs> so I don't know about you, but I don't know if anybody at Essential, even with the low expectations that they may have had internally, would be happy with those numbers. You know, when, when we first heard from Andy Rubin about this phone, it was late at night, and I was probably had a couple drinks in me, and Alex came on, and he and I talked, and we both thought the exact same thing. This is another Andy Rubin product that only exists so another company can buy it and give him millions of dollars. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, they're, they only shipped 5,000 phones. They're valued at over a billion dollars because uh, you know I, i've seen a lot of people well their other stuff their ai technology is pretty sweet like but where no one's using it like it doesn't it doesn't really They're matter using right before and i'll say it again the phone is not the important part but the but it's the other stuff phone, doesn't exist yet but, like the well the, the, their, that's also true their home <laughs> their their weird uh their weird home pod thing you know that it's it's not here. The their 360 camera uh, is finally shipping and actually seems to to you know while be kind of bare bones, take pretty decent pictures. But yeah, it's you know it's it's hard to to gauge you know what this company is going to be capable of when they they decided not to ship everything all at once. I I really think they're hoping they don't ever have to build their pod and stuff like that because Amazon or Microsoft just buys them. Yeah, I mean, what's what's interesting is like. You hear about these Silicon Valley start, you know, hardware startups. I, I th- the the one that jumps to mind is Magic Leap. Oh, this yeah. is a company that was founded seven years ago and announced its flagship product six years ago in 2011, and has not has barely given us a hint of what it is, other than the fact but that earlier this month they created a website where you could put in your name and an email address to get more information about when they might tell you about pre-ordering. Right. And this is this is a company that is valued at $8 billion and that has already raised over a billion dollars. It is a company that has zero products to its name. So when we hear that the that essential the company is valued at a billion, that actually doesn't seem like that much in this Silicon Valley bubble, uh, especially given the fact that Andy Rubin is the man behind it, and that I think, and this will lead us into the next topic, that the flagship product will be not the essential phone, but the essential home. This home hub that Rubin is really focusing all of his AI unifying magic on, right? Well, we haven't even seen that. So who knows? It could be a killer product, and it could disrupt Amazon and put it out of business. Who knows? I know exactly this. This is what I've discovered over the last couple of weeks uh, is that in, in the course of like a month and a half, Essential said, hey, we have this really neat looking phone that doesn't have any bezels and just has this tiny notch in the front. And Apple was like, hold my beer. 
And then they were like, we have this HomePod thing that has this little display in the front, and it's this little orb, and it's very cool. And then Amazon was like, hold my beer. Ah, uh, yes, Amazon. So, like, their stuff doesn't even look unique anymore, because there are, there are already things that look exactly like it that are going to be on the market before these things are. The hardware is table stakes. Everybody, Everybody's making hardware. The key really is... is the key, I think, is is locking people into your ecosystem. I was thinking about it today as I was writing up all this Amazon crap. Because I've I've got Google Homes here. I've got all the Amazon stuff. I'll probably have to get a damn HomePod just to get it. And are are Amazon skills really any better than Google's? You know, what is Google stuff called? I just totally forgot. Um, but it's really locking somebody, getting somebody into your ecosystem. And then just making it easy to use the stuff. And I still think there's a barrier to entry for the skills. And, and Amazon can tout these tens of thousands of skills, but 99% of them are just crap. I don't care about facts about platypuses. Well, and then and, they don't, like, they're not as easy to use as the stuff that's native to Alexa. Exactly. They're, they're, they're part exactly. of a different and, command tree. And that's the key. That's the key. Well, I mean, we're talking about hardware. Um, you know, Phil, Roku's... I. IPO went uh, went out today, and it raised um, like two hundred and fifty million dollars off its opening share price. Um, it started at fourteen dollars, and it's now sitting at twenty three dollars. I mean, this is a this is a company that r- makes set top boxes for your TV that sell for under one hundred and fifty dollars. Um, this is a company that has enormous competition. And that you have said again and again, somehow sort of slow burns its way to the top. So there are still plenty of opportunities for hardware makers. But why is Roku performing so well? I mean, what what's a, what about it makes it so good? It, it's always it's always started with the price. That the price starts at you know ninety nine dollars, not even that much, whatever the sticks are, um, and that the the set top boxes were inexpensive, and that they did everything you wanted them to do. They maybe didn't do it the best, um, and I still don't think they do, but they do it well, and they do it well enough at that price. And that goes for Fire TV as well. That's not my favorite. It's up there, and it's gotten really good. Um, but it it does it well enough at that price. Android TV, I mean, Shield TV is really the only Android TV you should consider if it's not already built into your, uh, if it's not already built into your TV. But, even Android TV has its hangups. Apple TV is is plenty simple, but I've got plenty of issues with that as well. And it's it's really kind of overkill the amount of hardware they put in that thing for what it does. When you can right. get, when, when all you want to do is just watch some basic streaming TV and you can do it for a quarter of the cost. It's and that really comes down to all these connected products as well and we're going to see it next week I guess with the the what is it? Home Spot, what's the cheap one? Home Mini, Home Mini, Home Mini. Yeah. No, but there's there's a there's the uh, Amazon the Echo Spot too. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah, but that's an expensive one. But but hardware is stable stakes. Anyone can make the hardware at this point. And these companies that are big enough and have enough money can make competing hardware. It's I really think the key is getting people into that ecosystem, getting them used to that ecosystem, and keeping it easy enough to keep them from going anywhere else. 
you know, let's bring that home. Let's 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 finish strong and talk about what Amazon announced this week. So Everything. the company held a small event in Seattle yesterday, um, being Wednesday the twenty seventh, and announced a whole bunch of new echoes, basically for everybody. I mean, this was a this is a company that has catered the Echo lineup to every possible consumer, and also refreshed the the aforementioned. Fire TV, which is now a, as as Matthew Panzerino pointed out, um, hilariously, it's not a dongle; it's a dangle, because it's slightly bigger than a dongle, and I think that's that's pretty funny. Um, so, Phil, let's start with you. Uh, the the Echo Refresh. This is a a, a newer, uh, updated Echo from you know 2014. It has been updated for three years. It's ninety nine bo- ninety nine dollars. It's a lot smaller. It comes in five different. Uh, you know materials including six fabric six and, colors and six sorry yeah. my bad uh what, what do you I, think i've got it open here let me, let me just go through it so yeah we we've got the new second generation echo it's shorter it's a little fatter it's just like the rumor said uh you can get it with fabric you can get it a couple of them with wood and then one's a metallic silver um it'll probably sound a little better i think maybe i'm not sure we'll just have to see um i think it looks a hell of a lot better although people have been disagreeing with me and i have no problem telling them they're wrong um, I'm excited about that. 99 bucks, I think is the right price for that. The original echo was just too expensive after, you know, three years. Um, then we've got the echo plus and that looks like the original echo and it's going to have slightly bigger. I, I guess it'll sound better. It's got a slightly larger tweeter for what that's worth. Um, that'll be worth better high end, I guess we'll, we'll have to see. And a dedicated that also going to serve. What's that? And it has a woofer, whatever Oof. that would entail in such a small box. Well, nothing. There's no nothing. sound chamber. Yeah. Useless. But it's got a woofer, yeah, guys. It, it, Come on. That, well, that's that's the same thing. Yeah, but size it's, it's as, a down firing face down. No. Jerry, just they, let him have the they, woofer. They, uh, no. 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 Don't lie to me, Amazon. It's also <laughs> going to serve as a connected hub of some sort, um, you know, for things that require hubs. So that's good that it's built in. And, you know, we'll have to see yep. how that works. Uh, Derek Kessler's been educating me on that stuff. I'm so down on hubs. I've got like six different hubs plugged into my living room. It's awful. So wait, we, we moved on to Echo Plus already, right? Yes, yes. Okay, so this is different from the Echo. This is the, how much, $140 Echo Plus. 150 bucks. It has a slightly larger tweeter. 150 And it comes um, with a bulb. And yeah, it, and it comes with a bulb. Yes, it that's, comes with that's a actually $50 a, bulb. So that's a really good thing. Um, oh, let's see. Dates, by the way. Dates are important. So the two the two new Echoes are end of October. Any other questions about those? Uh, this is a, a win for Philips, too, because there are so many bulb makers, and Philips got the contract. Absolutely. Um, you get a single. Is it is it colored or, or just ambient white in the box? Just a white one. I think just a white. Okay, so that's what, 15, 20 bucks? Yeah. No, like thirty. Yeah, for Philip it's one. the because it's it's the whole white spectrum. So it's they're they're yeah. thirty five. Oh, okay, so but at the same time, it, it no longer requires a Philips hub anymore, right? So if you use this Echo Plus, you don't need to buy a starter pack, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, that's correct. You just start adding right. bulbs. That's cool. As long as you stick to Philips bulbs, you can daisy chain them. To infinity. But if you ever decide that you want to move from something that's not an Echo, then uh, yeah, as of right now, assuming you know that Philips hasn't gone and you know danced this idea past 
Apple and Google as well. Um, but as of right now, you would need to get a hub if you decided that you didn't want an Echo in your home anymore. Which, hmm. that's not too far outside the realm of possibility because the Google Home could do this. The the hardware support and the wireless technology is already there. Right. It's just not being used. By the way, this is the point at which I say Zigbee, Z-Wave, I don't care. Those are like the last two things I want to know about. Those are the last things any normal consumer needs to know about. It just needs to work. Right. Period. Right. Right. Um, Echo Spot is like a, I guess, maybe softball size alarm clock. It's got a two and a half inch screen on it. It's got a little camera tucked up in there. Uh, obviously, it'll have a speaker, so you can do video calls with it. That'll be interesting to see. Um, More places to do my f- my favorite Alexa feature ever is the drop-in feature. Yes. I, I was watching some friends of ours on Twitter today go back and forth about you know, sneaking, I guess Tom Warren at The Verge wrote something about how Amazon is sneaking a camera into your bedroom with this thing. I don't know really that you're sneaking it. It's right there. You can see it. You have to spend money and then, and, you know, put it there and plug it in and turn it on. It's not a lot of sneaking yeah. involved. And and also, I have phones in my bedroom. Um, yeah, I think this is the one I'm the most excited about. It's expensive, though. I mean, $130 for that is not insignificant. But I think people are going to buy it because it looks cool. I think it looks cool in all of the demo shots. I'm really right. hoping I'm conf- I- I'm betting that uh, like the, the video chat thing is going to be a weird square inside of that circle. Probably. My concern is that it's going to end up like the echo show, which is really cool in theory in actuality, I have a very expensive box that just shows me pictures of my family and stuff all day long. And there, yep. you know, it does a fine job of that. And I set timers to make coffee in the morning and my kids ask it questions. But that's, you know, that's a, a big expense for, for that. I'm not using it for any of the stuff they want me to use it for. And I still think the headline, I've written about this before. I still think the headlines are just a total waste of space. It's just, it's bad information. Um, so yeah, Echo Spot, I'm excited about. What about the fact that Google pulled YouTube from the show earlier this week um, and won't give a reason for why? I didn't go. I, I didn't respond to any of the commenters because I'm not allowed to do that anymore. No, I, I, I should have because I think they got it right. I think it's probably and I, I never really realized this. You don't see advertisements on the videos on the Echo show. And I guess if they were doing that and didn't have Google's OK to do that, then that's no bueno. That's not good. Um, yeah. that said, I do think it breaks the web. If you, if you, well, Dieter Bone at the Verge, you know, our former boss, uh, I thought wrote a really good thing on it. On one hand, yes, it breaks the web. You have this internet appliance that doesn't show a huge part of the internet, but is that really Google's fault at that point? Or is it Amazon's fault? If Amazon, um, you know, broke the TOS, then yeah, that's on them. If Amazon created this appliance that, that, that circumvented the way that Google wanted them to, to show videos, that's not good. And they should come up with another way to do it. If that involves showing ads, so be it. Um, at the end of the day, though, and this is how I wrote it, I don't care whose fault it is. The fact is, one of the major reasons you would ever want to buy this thing, which I still say has pretty limited use at this point, is now gone. And the reason for that doesn't matter as a consumer. And let's be perfectly clear 
even before YouTube was removed, YouTube on the Echo Show was bad. Yeah, like, it's there not was a good no experience. interface. There, there, there was no interface. It didn't connect to your YouTube account. There was no way to string together multiple videos. You couldn't, you know, there was very, very little that it actually did the way that you expect YouTube to behave in the first place. It was just not good. All you people with cameras sitting around your house always connected. All of these companies, I just assume, really like seeing pictures of my butt. Oh, yeah. That's, I, that's just I, how I operate. I, yep. I certainly expect you to take your Echo Spot and send me pictures of your butt. Yeah. I mean, that's... Because that's what it's designed for. I mean... Ever since I put a Connect in my living room, I just assume that all of these companies really like seeing my butt. <laughs> yep. Whoever at Nest has been spying on my stuff. Yep. You're going to have a camera next to your head. When you wake up in the morning, I'm not sure I would want to be in a video, except that's really the only time that I would think about using the camera on the spot. Like that's because you don't want to make six ninety nine a minute. You oh. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. Are you uh, you worried your hair's going to be messed up when you get out of bed, Dan? Like what are we what are we talking about here? I'm just not sure the use case. Who who are you going to call? Oh, I call my kids. Are you kidding? They're they're all the way upstairs, uh, and so I can just say Alexa, drop in on the upstairs echo, and and they don't have a choice. They have to answer me. They can't turn off. They can't turn me off as an alarm clock because the echo is on the other side of the room. Uh, so like it's the best alarm clock I have ever had for my kids. All right, that's that's a good use case. I don't think it's necessarily a thing where you would initiate calls, but if this can become a, a thing for you know every household in America like Amazon wants it to be, I can call you and you don't have to get out of bed to answer. I'm, I'm bullish on it. I think it's a really it, it's actually a pretty good implementation, and I think it's a really important service for Amazon if they can get people to start using it. I just I'm not sure that people are using it yet. No, because don't don't use it. Because that's just another person in the chain that can keep track of you. And right now, they're not giving you anything great in return. I, I don't Wait, know. Make them give you something. I, I think the thing that they're giving you is is kind of returning the intercom. Like, my uh, my grandparents, their, their house, when, you know, for, I guess, you know, 30 years ago now, you know, they, they had the, the home intercom system where they, you know, they were upstairs in the dining room. They pushed the button and, and all the kids in the basement got called upstairs for dinner on Thanksgiving. Like that, <laughs> that was, you know, that was how their house was wired. And, uh, and, you know, we never had that in, in our house. And, and uh, even though the, you know, it was certainly a large enough house to have something like that. Uh, and, and it never came back. And I think that that could be what this gets used for. Uh, if, if Amazon can actually get people to use it is, is kind of bringing back that home intercom thing. Cause that was definitely a thing, you know, for, for a non-trivial portion of the previous generation. Well, I also know we saw, and, and, you know, this is Phil and I, and, and maybe Russell, we saw when we were kids on TV, the future and people sitting at a, a desk or on a chair, making video calls, calling people and talking to them and seeing their face. And Amazon actually delivered that, and we don't really like it as much as we thought we would. Not enough to use Every it. form yeah. of video calling that exists right now is awful because you're never looking at the person. And that's that's the thing that, like, the weird future stuff, that was the thing that, that they never got right, was right. it always, you know, when in all of those things, you were always staring at the screen, and through the screen, you were staring at the person. You were locking eyes with that person. 
Uh, but but n- there are no forms of that you know today that that exist that feel that way. It it always looks like someone is is looking off into the the you know the grand distance or I swear driving. I I can't stand people who video chat and drive. I just yeah yeah, and it it happens so much. We even have someone who works here who does that, and it drives me bananas. So let's talk um, a little bit about Alexa as a product because that's getting a bit of an evolution too. The service expanded to support multi-room streaming. Phil, this is something that you said you've been looking forward to for months. Uh, How's that working out so far? I don't know. I don't use it. (laughs) But you were so excited about it. I'm looking forward to it insofar as it was something it should have and was missing. Um, And and part of the, not part of this, this is mostly just circumstantial, you know, because I have Google Home, because I have Sonos, I have an embarrassment of riches of this stuff. Um, Multi-room streaming is important to have. If if Amazon Echoes are all you use for music, having multi-room streaming is absolutely important, just as it's important for Sonos to do, just as it was important for Google to do. Put it that way. Okay, right. So the other thing that was announced yesterday that's coming soon is macro, uh, like macro commands, for lack of a better term, for the uh, for the Echo. So you'll be able to create these routines that will combine a bunch of commands together and or bundle them together and then initiate them all at once. And you can see how this would work. I mean, this is sort of a if this then that type of of cascading effect. And I, I mean for something like the for, for something like Alexa that's gaining all of these abilities so quickly, um it'll it'll be incumbent on Amazon to package it in the right way and sell it to people. Um, so that it's easy to use. But uh, is this something you would actually use, Russell, or do you think it's just one more feature people are going to toss by the wayside? It depends on how it gets deployed, like you said. Uh, you know, there is a, a version of this that ties in pretty close to If This Then That uh, on Google Home, and Google Home has its own kind of internal thing for uh, for for batching some things together, but it's it's complicated, and I don't use it, and uh, you know, it, it, it's something that I kind of hope will get better over time, uh, or Google will just buy if this, then that and be like, Hey, so now it's everywhere. Uh, the way that Amazon described this, it's entirely possible that my son will be able to say, you know, Alexa, I'm going to bed now. And the, the smart light in his room will start the, the 30 minute dim from fully bright to, to dark. And then, you know, read him a bedtime story or, or play a podcast or, or something like that. Uh, and, and just kind of be a thing that works, you know, and if, if that ends up being real, then cool. But if it ends up being just as complicated as if this and that, or, or the stuff that Google home is doing, then I don't think anybody's going to use it. And what I found with that is like, I, I've got the Philips U lights behind the TV here in the bedroom, you know, synced up. So the, the TV turns on, you know, I use a logic, harmony to do it tv turns on light turns on and what i found is like half the time i don't want the light to turn on i just want the tv on or maybe i want the light on but not the tv and and so i i have all these exceptions i want to do all the time anyway and so at that point the 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 recipes just they don't matter anymore i i use that every morning i i get out of phone or get out of bed and i tell my phone that it's time to wake up 
and my coffee machine starts and the light in the kitchen comes on and my bedroom light comes on and my office light comes on. And that was just because I wanted to fool around with it. But it is kind of nice that the coffee machine starts up as long as I remembered to clean the coffee machine the night before. But it, it was complicated and it was not something that, I mean, please, Daniel, I'm not writing a how to on this. I'm just not, this is not something that a normal person wants to do, let alone is able to do. But Amazon is in a unique position. They, they've already got some sort of partnership with Philips. They could partner with another company and this could be built in. If you, you know, if you're Alexa, if, if you've got it set up and it's working on several hue lights and you've got them all programmed and, and the rooms all set out and laid out and you've got a, a Logitech Harmony and, uh, you know, a lock for your door, there should be a list of things you can do, you know, like you can have it turn this light and your TV on, like Phil was saying, that are pre-programmed and come through, you know, wirelessly and be installed. And all you need to do is say it. If Amazon can do that, and I know they they can, but if they have financial incentive to do it, then this changes all of that, you know, chained automation stuff completely. It's kind of like everything else. I mean, it'll it'll work as well as the recipes uh, that are available to it. And as no, Phil mentioned, no, no. it it will work as well as the individual APIs for all the services that tie into right. it. That's the key. Yeah, because there's this weird discrepancy when it comes to a lot of the APIs, like uh, the the Harmony Hub for for a really good and awful example. Uh, is is plugged into to my Google Home uh, and my Echo, so I can be like, "Hey, turn the TV on. Hey, change the channel. Hey, uh, adjust the volume." And nothing happens when I say adjust the volume because the API doesn't support volume controls. So you know, it, it's it's this weird. You know, all of the stuff has to have the things that people are going to say out loud that they want to happen in the first place. And that's, I guess, what comes back to this whole struggle with with voice assistance semantic language is hard people say things differently in in every different language um and that's probably why alexa is only available in three countries and one of them is in canada if that's, how does that that's make you the... feel daniel put your feet up on the couch for a minute and share with us uh i don't want to swear more than i need to so <laughs> i just won't um but let's let's end on uh on, on a high note um, and talk about the fire TV refresh. So this is, I guess, Phil, one of, one of your places of expertise. You've reviewed the crap out of all of these boxes. Um, 70 bucks for a fire TV that supports 4k HDR has access to basically all the content you want. And now comes with a remote that has Alexa built in. Is this the best set-top box you can buy, or is it still beaten by Roku, you know, Shield TV, Apple TV, and other areas? I, I think I was thinking a lot about that this week. Um, I think it's a toss-up at this point between Fire TV and Roku. Roku has access to Amazon stuff. Roku also has access to Google content. Both of those are important. I think I enjoy the Fire TV experience a little better, and having Alexa built in is icing on the cake. 
Um, this new Fire TV, it's an interesting position. I assume they're they were just going to stop selling the second gen Fire TV. I don't really see a reason to sell it anymore. Um, it's already out of stock. Yeah, it had been no, out of stock for a while. You know how they put that thing? We don't know when this will be returned. Is now what it says. Yeah. Um, so you're going from like a full set top box. I'm using air quotes here to a, a large dongle. And by the way, I, I saw some people talking about how this thing doesn't even require power. It does. You still have to plug it in with micro USB. Um, so it, it's, you know, think of it like a Chromecast ultra. And I mean, that's where the hardware is at this point, right? If you don't need to throw that much more hardware at a streaming solution, why do it? My biggest discrepancy not discrepancy but disparity between all the all the boxes has really come down to software um i use playstation view for for you know 90% of what i watch now and going through the menu on fire tv is just slow compared to on apple tv or compared to android tv um i mean that i can't be a hardware thing i can't imagine that's just weird coding. Uh. I mean, maybe it's probably a hardware shouldn't. and it wasn't, I, I think before the update, there was no real, uh, rendering through the GPU for the interface, mm. but now there should be. Yeah. So we'll have to so see. Let's hope that that's been, I mean, because I agree that was painful and horrible. Yeah. The, the differences between all these boxes are so small at this point. Um, you know, if you if you do a lot of stuff through iTunes content, you know, movies and music and stuff, get an Apple TV. If you do a lot of stuff through Google content, get an Android TV. If you don't care um, or if you really just want good Amazon content, get a Fire TV. Fire TV has gotten really, really good. Um, if you just want the cheapest thing you can that's pretty good, you know, get a Roku. That's that's kind of where I stand. You, But you almost can't go wrong with any of these at this point. Actually, I, t- I take it back. My biggest complaint about Roku right now, um, and I need to double check and just make sure it's still the case, is something like HD Home Run. HD Home Run does not work with Roku, and that's still a, a big hole in their lineup just because the uh, the uh, the encoding does not match up. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for the, new, for the new Fire TV. Well, if you do want the old version, the one that is uh, still being sold for now and may run out of stock very soon, uh, you can and should go over to thrifter.com. And what they're doing right now is they're summarizing, they're consolidating, they're bringing all the hotness together of all of these uh, older Amazon products into bundles. Because Amazon's trying to get rid of old stock. They're bundling all of them together. You can get a Fire TV stick and an Echo Dot for $59.99. You can get a 4K Fire TV and an OTA HD antenna for 75 bucks. You can get a 4K Fire TV and an Echo Dot for 80 bucks. I mean, these are pretty good deals. If you want to check it out, you can go to thrifter.com. Click on the main uh, the main deal there right now. And while you're there, sign up for the weekly newsletter or daily newsletter. It's daily, not weekly. But, I mean, you'll get it every week because it comes every day. Just tell me to shut up. Shut up. Thank you. Uh, um, thrifter.com, ooh. check it out. And that's it. That's all you need to do. So, guys, anything else you want to talk about before we head off for this beautiful weekend? Echo oh, buttons. Right, yeah. 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 No. The, the buttons. No. You know what? 
<laughs> unless we're all going to get together go, somewhere Russell. and go unless we're going to all get together somewhere <laughs> and like game show host Phil is going to be on Facebook live or something. I don't want to hear about these stupid things. It's just a bad idea that people are going to spend. What are they like 20 bucks a pop for these little glowing buttons that that don't actually do anything. I dare you to say that in front of your kids. I will. They will Dude, love those things but- and you will use them. I am. I, I pre-ordered a pair. I'm gonna get all lit and play White Steve Harvey in my living room with with my friends. Wow! Just do do stupid stuff. Wow! It's there, there's a you can have a lot of fun with those. Yes, that's just, not what I'm wowing at, Jerry. Wow! I no, I know, but <laughs> he's he's gonna work real hard to ignore that though. He's gonna muscle through it. <laughs> I you know I, you get my point though. There you you could just get. You know, you can have all kinds of fun, whatever you think is fun. You don't have to do Jerry's dumb idea like, of fun. I, sure, but none of that fun needs to involve the Amazon Echo or or my Fire TV. Like, you could get four of those stupid Staples buttons and, and have the same amount of fun, you know, sitting there just talking to each other. Like, that, I don't, I don't understand. I don't feel like Amazon software layer adds anything to that experience. Yeah. Wait till, you know, hopefully a developer, you know, you don't know Jack or any trivia game that could be implemented really well. And yeah, I, that's what I'm hoping switch. for. Well, but yeah, I, no, I, I, I get what there. you're saying. I, I love the you don't know Jack. The Jackbox series is yeah. amazing. I bought it um, for the iPad because we were up at a cottage and everybody there had iPhones and it was fantastic. You have, you know, you use your phone as a remote, as a, as a, you know, buzzer. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great. So yeah, why not? Well, imagine an, an animated person on your fire TV showing through your, you know, 70 inch screen and everybody's got a little button in front of them. Yeah. That's not too far fetched. Everybody but Russell, that is. Russell's in the corner. Talking about kids on his lawn. I, I was kind of more impressed by the um, the lineup they already have. So Trivial Pursuit makes sense, I guess. Sounds fun yeah. with Mike Epps. I have no idea what that is. Buzzer Beater Basketball Trivia with Carl Anthony Towns. Okay. Fourth Down Football Trivia with Philip Rivers. Full Count Baseball Trivia with Buster Posey. I, d- I just love that they were already signing up athletes. I see a trend this. here. Yes. And really, I just want another chance to make fun of Philip Rivers a little bit. But that's me. I wonder if there's going to be a CFL version. I don't know, but I, can I kneel instead of push the buzzer? Jerry? Uh, what? You Just can do whatever it. you want, Jerry. It's a free country. Okay. But I'm talking about Canada because uh, the CFL is in Canada. Jerry. Well, they could probably just stop playing on the field and actually just play in a living room with buttons, and it, the CFL would be just as exciting. That is true. I agree with that point. We need to have like a, a Mobile Nations tournament with the old mechanical football things that made a lot of noise. Jerry knows uh, what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I still have one here somewhere. Yeah. Just go buy a Staples button. <laughs> but before we close... uh Google's giving you a ton of money for your old iPhone or your old Pixel. And if you're going to buy a new Pixel, don't skip that over. You can probably get a little bit more money on a place like Swappa. But, you know, if, if, you've, if you've got a, a 128 gig XL 
and it works. They don't even ask that it looks like brand new. You're getting 410 bucks. Oh, wow. And usually we see, you know, 200, $250 tops on these kind of trade-in deals. I think the Note 8 was for the XL128 was only offering like $305. So there's probably about half the cost of your new phone. So don't forget to look at that if you're thinking about buying. Yeah. Wonder what they'll give me for an iPhone 8. Hmm. 410 bucks. It's oh. exactly what it's worth, right? What's wrong with it, Phil? Take a minute and tell it's, us. It's I'm it's it's a nicer iPhone. That's all it is. There's absolutely nothing magical about it. The camera is nicer, the hardware is nicer, it's a little bit faster. It's still huge. It's a brick. Um, I'm glad I got the bigger one this year instead of the smaller one, but it's ginormous, um, and it it doesn't need to be. And it's just a nicer iPhone. I'm I will absolutely get an iPhone X, and I will absolutely, hopefully, maybe enjoy it more. We'll see. I I'm ready for something new from Apple, and this is not new. This okay. is just better, and, and no. that's fine. And if that's what you want, by all means, get it. But. All the same hangups are there. The notifications are better, but not great. Um, the you know the display is better. The portrait mode and all that, like it's cool. I it's nothing revolutionary. If you take every picture with studio lighting, I will find you and hunt you down. But it's still just it's not an iPhone. working. Yeah, the, that is. When I mean, it it's works. interesting. The 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 camera is very good. Oh yeah, I will absolutely. give it that. The camera is very very good. Um, but there are a lot of really good cameras out there now. The fact that I only need to have one charger now, like the three phones that I'm using in my my repertoire, I guess that won't be the case next week because the Pixel 2 won't have it. But uh, Note 8, iPhone 8 Plus, and LG V30 all support Qi charging. I only need one pad next to my bed. That's great. Whatever phone I'm using. And that's actually something, that's something I've been working on here is some some modern dad videos and wireless charging. So the whole family has been getting in on it. And that, that makes a big difference when it's no longer just me with one phone. But like now that we've all been using it, it, you can really go out and get some stuff, you know, to, to, right. To, to make things better. Well, I think we'll end it there for this week because next week we'll be coming at you probably right after the uh, the, the Pixel 2 event. Uh, Russell, we'll see how that works. Hopefully that night, once everything has died down, we'll we'll get your, your hot takes uh, from San Francisco with Andrew and uh, anybody else who wants to join the fun. Uh, thank you so much, guys. Hey, this was really hey, fun. Hey, I, don't, don't I, forget I think... me. Don't forget me. What am I doing next week? What? Oh, you're going to Sonos. That's right. Yeah, we we sent you to New York for uh, the Sonos Play Alexa. Um, that'll be interesting. I love Sonos. I'm I'm excited to go to this. Well, okay. So, you know, going back a minute or two, that's the reason I brought up the whole home Alexa stuff was because I was I was hoping you would say, "Hey, I've been using whole home for years on Sonos because that's the way that I've been using it for like ten years, not ten years, but a couple of years." And it's amazing. I've I've like I have a play one in my office. I have a play one in my living room. I have a play one uh, upstairs in my bathroom. I have a play five in my live in my uh, like upstairs living room because I have a really tall house. Um, 
And I love it. I think whenever I've had parties, I just put on music everywhere in the house. And I think it's one of the best features Sonos offers. So absolutely. And now that it does podcasts too, it's a huge deal. So yeah, I'm, I'm right. totally looking forward to it. Yeah. Shout out Pocket Casts for being the best pocket or the best podcast app slash service out there. Absolutely. Um, My second favorite Australians. <laughs> Who's your first? I'm not telling. Okay, fine. Whatever. You can't say crap like that and then not, not fill in the rest. Come on, Phil. Well, I'm not sure how many Australians I know. Not enough. Well, my favorite Australian is Steve Waugh because he is a fantastic cricket ba- player and, and overall very, very good good dude. Uh, he was my one of my idols growing up. So shout out Steve Waugh. If you're a cricket player or a cr- cricket fan, you know who he is. And if you're not a cricket fan, you have no idea who he is. So, no, this is this is basically um, the Lord of the Rings ending, where it has like three different endings. So we'll just we'll just say thank you so much for for listening, uh, Phil, Russell, Jerry. Thanks for joining us. Um, you know, find us all at Android Central, and we'll see you next week. Later. Yes. Goodbye. Bye.